Welcome to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is dedicated to helping people love Jesus and the people they encounter every day. Today, you will listen to our most recent Sunday sermon. So sit back, relax, and let Jesus speak to you wherever you may be. And now, this week's sermon. What God has put on. Would you welcome Gibran as he comes and shares the message? I love you too. Love you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, somebody. You guys ready? I said in the first service, Roz was preaching my message even before I got to it, man. That's how you know God is saying something this morning, right? When you're able to get in the spirit and hear the word of the Lord for, for our house and for us as individuals, it just seems like a theme that works throughout the fabric of what God is doing. So I'm excited to just piggyback off of that and jump in and share a little bit here with you. And uh, just to brag a little bit on my, my staff uh, of my, my office, our staff, all of my staff was out there serving for Love My City. I, I was blessed. I was blessed by that. And, and my staff actually jumped in to help contribute for the Christmas thing, too. All I did was cast a vision, and they jumped in, right? They wanted to serve. They wanted to give. So I know that blessed them more than what blessed the other people. I know that for certain. And I thank God for the opportunity to come alongside you, Roz, and partner with the vision that God has put in your heart, our pastor's heart, to serve, because that's where the blessing is. Not in receiving, not in looking about what I can get, but what can I be a part of to give and help change somebody else's life. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Well, we're going to be in the book of Mark today for the most part. So if you have the Word of God, if you have your Bibles electronically, digitally, physically, we're going to be in the, the book of Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 46. I just want to say to start off, man, all is well. God is good. Man, my Michigan Wolverines have the number one seed in the CFP, and they're playing on January 1st in the Rose Bowl. Hallelujah! God is good. It's a culmination of my prayers for many generations. I just pray that they do well on January 1st. That's all my for praying. In addition to that, my Detroit Lions are poised to win their division for the first time in 30 years. Goodness gracious. Hallelujah. Those of you who don't track with sports, as you can kind of dismiss that for now. I always say the Detroit Lions are God's team, right? Because they are the Lions of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> A little spiritual connect. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song because you and I got a lion inside of my lungs. Come on, let's praise the Lord. God is good. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I just uh, was just remembering uh, in the last week or so, just over the journey of the past nine years of me and my family's life, God called us to be a part of this house right at the beginning in January of 2015. So we, we're shy of nine weeks. We're coming up on, I'm sorry, shy of nine years. We're coming up on nine years of being a part of this house. And we absolutely, absolutely love it. I know Tim and, and Sam, and, and they, they say it from their heart generally. They love this house. And I, I want to echo that sentiment. I love being a part of this church. How many of you that have been a part of this church for some period of time, you absolutely love this house? I do. And I was remembering over this last week, the past nine years, it's good to remember. It's good to take account of some of the things that God brought you through. C.S. Lewis says, sometimes we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. Right? Sometimes we forget the good things that God has done. Right? When David fought Goliath, all he did was draw on his memories of the lion and the bear to defeat the giant. 
Sometimes we forget so easily the things that God does in our life, and we draw back, maybe fear, but we have to remind ourselves. And this, this over the past few weeks, I was just thinking about over the last nine years, as soon as we got to this house, I got laid off from my job, <laughs> praise God. And uh, I was like in this place where my world was spinning, and it, I felt tra- change and transition had happened in my life, but I didn't know that I was going to lose my job. And I felt like Elijah, where the ravens would come and feed him and take care of him. And, and I, I saw and realized a new level of God's provision vision and care in my life at that point when I had lost, lost my place of income. You know, the man of the house, I'm the provider, but I had lost it. So I had to tap into a new place in God to see that he was my provider. All while being planted here. God blessed us with our third child while being planted here. My third, our third and final child, <laughs> I dare say. Man, my daughter Bristol, some of you know my daughter Bristol, she has more energy than everybody in our house combined. It was all balled up. God just waited to the last child to put everything he had into her. My son, Jet, can probably testify a witness to that, but I thank God for my daughter Bristol. We were blessed to have her in this house. We call her Bristol the Pistol. Um, I got to... Uh, the Lord opened the door for our family to purchase our second home while being planted here. As our family, come on, God is good. Even after being laid off, right? Um, as our family grew and expanded, God opened the door for that for us. And some people may not see that as a miracle or may not see that as a godly thing, but I definitely do. Just knowing the trajectory he had on uh, on our lives and what he was doing, he opened the door without a shadow of a doubt for that for us. And um, I got to see my father reconnect with God and reconnect with the church community in this house before God took him home to be with him in 2019, all while being planted here. Mm, God is good. I, I even received the prophetic prodding of the Holy Spirit to, need, to leave my comfortable, familiar place of employment and launch out into the deep of entrepreneurship and even see the fulfillment of that calling in my life over the last few years, all while being planted I love this. In Psalm 20, 92, 12 and 13, it says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not saying this or that about your life. But I know that as for me and my house, as we've been planted, we, were, we have been flourishing. And I want to encourage you, if you're looking for a church home, I'm not telling you where to, to, where to go or where to, to find a place of fellowship, but this is an awesome place to be planted. Come on, somebody. This is an awesome place to be planted, right? And I believe that what God wants to do in our lives, it takes us to be planted in his house. Amen? I just want to share that word of encouragement with you before I start. Um, because, man, I love God, and I love what he's done in my family over the, the last nine years. Man, I, 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 don't, I don't go to a church because it's convenient. I don't go to a church because it's close to my house or it's because people that are, I'm familiar with I know go there or I have friends that go there or it's just easier. I like the music a little bit better. They play the better style of music, so I'm going to go there. No, 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 no. There is assignment on each one of us. And for us, we seek God. and see, We say, God, where do you want us? Because there's a place for us to receive. But guess what? There's also a place for us to give. And if we only look at one side of the coin, we will always be unfulfilled and frustrated as believers when we're only looking to receive and not looking to to see what we we can impart and give into the community that God has called us with. Amen? Come on. God is good. Let's jump into this passage this morning. Mark 
chapter 10, we're going to begin in verse 46. It says this, now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, speaking of Jesus, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Save that, tuck that in your back pocket. We're going to use it for later. Then many warned him to be quiet. They say, callate la boca, silencio. You're being too loud, Bartimaeus. Why don't you, why don't you pipe down, calm down. You're acting too crazy. They tried to silence him. They tried to shush him. You ever had anybody, tr- like, shush you before? You know? Oh, man, somebody, that bore witnesses. <laughs> that touched somebody's spirit right there. <laughs> somebody needs some healing. We're going to pray for healing <laughs> afterwards from, from all those opportunities where we got shushed, right? Typically, like, if you're in a movie or you're watching a movie with somebody and, like, somebody's talking the whole time, you're like, come on, man, shh. Shut it, right? Are you trying to pay attention? You're trying to glean something and somebody's like, you just got but this was the wrong context where they, where they tried to shush Bartimaeus. Take that. Tuck it in your back pocket. We'll save that for later. Cállate la boca. Amen. But he cried out all the more. Check this out. This is what Bartimaeus did. He didn't pipe down. He piped up. He cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still. Check out what Jesus did. He stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he, he rose and came to Jesus. Verse 51. So he answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, or teacher, that I may receive my sight. That I may receive my sight. Take that. Tuck it in your back pocket. We're going to save that for later. Verse 52, last verse. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, immediately, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to communicate your word and your heart. And I ask you to speak what you desire to speak this morning. Jesus, we truly are in love with you, and you are the ones truly that our hearts adore. God, we didn't hear, come here just to sing songs today. We didn't come here just to hear a nice word or a cute sermon. We came to meet with you, Father God. We came to see you. We came to encounter you because anything less, God, we'll, we, we'll leave empty, God, or we'll leave, God, underwhelmed, God, compared to what you truly have for us, which is a seat at your feet, God. And I pray, God, that our hearts would be open, our eyes would be open, our ears would be open, and so attuned to what you are saying to us right now. Be the voice above mine to speak, God, to the issues that, that each one of us are dealing with, God. Be the voice, God. Speak to us. Change us by the power of your word, God, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I remember this had to be about five or six years ago. Uh, It was the last road accident, vehicle accident that I was in. I was driving. I was going to work super early in the morning, right? It was about 4.30 or 5 in the morning in the wintertime, so it was super dark on the road. Uh, My entrance to the freeway, they hadn't done fully completed the the work yet, so it was really well uh, or underlit. It was really dark, but, you know, this is a, a commute that I make every single day, so I'm familiar with nobody being on the road, 
you know, pretty much at this time in the morning. So I'm, I'm going about my way. I'm getting ready to merge onto the freeway. I look left to see if anybody's there. I look through my side view mirror. Nobody there, right? So I'm like, okay, cool. Nobody's here. I'm, I'm going to merge over to my left. So as soon as I start getting over and merging onto the freeway on my left-hand side, I hear this crazy weird noise, right? I'm like, hmm, what is that? <laughs> and you can probably imagine what happened next. <laughs> So after this noise, I, I quickly look over, and I see this car on the left side of me, and they are going, bobbing and weaving in and out of the lanes, and they're, like, out of control. And I'm like, I stopped, like, I wonder what's wrong with that car. Why are they out of control? <laughs> Didn't occur to me, <laughs> like, hey, man, you probably had something to do with this, right? So they are, they are going out of control, and all of a sudden, their out of controlness was headed in my direction. And at that moment, I had to stop. And you ever have things like go in slow motion for you, like your life just slows down, right? Like, uh, you ever seen those movies where a car flips over and the change is suspended in midair? And like, my whole life flashed before my eyes in that very moment. And I'm like, Lord, I thank you for this life. It was good. It was real. It was fun. God, it was real fun. But God, I'm coming to join you. Elizabeth, I'm coming to join you. Elizabeth, this is a big one. I'm coming to join you. Some of the younger people don't know Sanford and Son, but that was a throwback reference. To Fred G. Sanford, I'm coming to join, coming to join you, Elizabeth. This is a big one. At that moment, I thought, "Hey, I'm about to meet Jesus." <laughs> I start praying real quick, and all of a sudden, he comes towards me, and he hits the front of my car, and his car spun out up ahead. My car flew into the side barrier, and I'm like, "Oh, Jesus!" I get out of my car, assess the damage. He gets out of his car. I'm still here today, so you could probably imagine that my life wasn't taken that day. But uh, we were both okay physically, but my car was totaled, and it was a bad situation. All because I had a blind spot. My blind spot negatively affected and impacted that situation. And as we move forward in the word this morning, I just want to highlight a couple things that I felt God share with me, point out a few things, a few blind spots from this passage, and then I'm going to go sit down for the rest of the week until Christmas and have a nice Christmas dinner. I'm kidding. Um, first off, to highlight that there was obviously a physical blind spot present. Bartimaeus had a literal physical blind spot, and he was desperate for somebody to rescue him out of that condition. Now, here at the Mountain Church, we believe in physical healing. Come on, somebody. Come on, Justin. Come on, somebody. Come on, Clayton. Where Clayton at? We believe that God can step in our body and heal. Come on, Barry. Where's Barry at? We believe that God can heal in this house, that he's not just the God that healed yesterday and thousands of years ago, but today, right now, that since Jesus is alive, that his healing virtue is alive right now and readily available and accessible to us today. Hallelujah. So if you need a physical healing, we're going to have some space for you to receive prayer this morning. At the end, I want you to come up. If you got some sort of sickness or you're battling with a disease or affliction or an ailment, don't be shy. Don't sit back in your seat because I believe this altar can be a connection point for you to receive from God or even in your seat because we want to partner with you in prayer for God to heal you because we believe God can heal. Amen. He's still the God that can heal. And in context, in the context of this passage, just to share a little bit leading up to what happened here, is Jesus was headed to Jerusalem. This was a time of the Passover towards the end of his ministry. It happened in Luke 10, so there's not much 
uh, healing and miracles that happen after this point if you read that, that rest of the book uh, in the book of Mark. But Jericho, where Jesus was headed from to Jerusalem, was 15 miles away from Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem for the Jewish feast and then to eventually enter and lay his life down on the cross after this point. And as we see with Bartimaeus, this is the final physical healing miracle recorded in the book of Mark, other than Jesus' resurrection, of course. But the, one, the, the last thing that Jesus did, the last person that he healed recorded in the book of Mark, Bartimaeus was the last one. And also with that significance, there, uh, I believe, in this miracle points to the fact that it was significant and that it is only the second place in Scripture where we see the name of the person who was healed mentioned by Jesus in the Scripture passage. Only the second place. The other we see is Lazarus. We see, uh, as we go to other accounts of healing, we see the nobleman's son getting healed. We see the man with an unclean spirit getting healed. We see Simon Peter's mother-in-law. We got Simon Peter and the connection to Simon Peter, but what's his mother-in-law's name? We see the woman with the issue of blood. We see the Syrophoenician woman. We see the paralytic that was lowered in the roof, lowered through the roof by his friends to receive uh, uh, strength and, and ability to walk again. What's his name? We also see the centurion servant that got healed. We see Jairus' deceased daughter. We know Jairus' name, but what is his daughter's name? The epileptic boy, the daughter of the Canaanite. Other blind people that got healed. All those instances, we don't see their name. Why do we have Bartimaeus? Stop and think. When you, when you get to a place in Scripture, like question, ask God, investigate. Why do we see the name of this man and we don't see those other people? that were just as important, maybe God wants to highlight something. Maybe God wants to spotlight something in this scenario that we don't see in other scenarios. Also, if you do some studying, nobody in the Old Testament was ever healed of blindness. In fact, when Jesus began his ministry and began healing the blind, that had never been done before. It was truly a miracle to behold, to see somebody that didn't have sight to now be able to see. As we look at Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus was poor. He was a beggar. He was one of many beggars on the road to Jerusalem, and he didn't own much. Obviously, if you, don't, you can't see, you can't go to work, you can't get a job, so you're relegated to sit by the side of the road and beg. And his only possession, quite possibly, was the, the coat or the cloak that he had on him that, as we read, he threw aside to get to Jesus. He was dejected. He was downcast. He was desperate. But yet, he was bold. He was persistent. He was hopeful. And he was also sincere in his request to Jesus. And then we can see his response when he heard that Jesus was approaching. What did he do when he heard the shuffling of the feet and the commotion of the crowd? And quite possibly, could this be the man that has the ability to heal? When he heard it was Jesus, he began to call unto Jesus. Matter of fact, he didn't just call unto Jesus. The Bible said he shouted. He shouted loudly. He started acting a fool, if you will. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Man, he was acting a fool, right? Somebody said, man, it don't take all of that, Bartimaeus. Calm down. What are you doing? You look like a fool out here. I don't know if you've seen the movie Nacho Libre when Nacho Libre got jumped by these people, right? And like he was trying to be the hero and get rescued, but some really bad people came and took care of him, right? And he got Esqueleto. He's like, man, where were you, man? He said, I looked like a fool last night. Anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Like Bartimaeus was willing to look like a fool 
to get to what he needed to get to to encounter Jesus. And I say this, man, I, 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 will, I am willing to look like a fool if that means I get all of Jesus and I get all that he has for me and I get to know him more and I get to experience him more and receive all that the Lord has stored up for me. If that takes for me to look like a fool, I will look like a fool day in, 24, 7, 365. Because I'm going to look like a fool with him or without him anyway, right? And sometimes we think we have it all together and in our minds we do, but sometimes we look foolish anyway, so I'd rather look like a fool for Jesus than look like a fool on my own out there by myself. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Sometimes I just got to stop and cry out. I don't care. I don't care. They ain't going to tell me to pipe down. Guess what? I'm going to pipe up because sometimes that's what it takes for us to receive from God. Hmm. He shouted all the more. And you know what, Bartimaeus, he must have believed that Jesus could heal him. He must have truly believed. Why? Because his faith was a catalyst for his healing. Jesus directly connected his faith to his healing. He directly tied it in to his miracle, to his breakthrough. Let's, I'm going to remind you of Jesus' words. Let's check this out in verse 52 again. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has done what? Whew. Not your actions, not your yelling, not your blindness, not your need, not your deficit, but what? Your faith has made you well. And we say, oh, faith, that's an intangible thing. Faith does have an outworking in our actions. And his faith just drove him to yell louder. His faith just pushed him to cry out for uh, more, more of Jesus. But it was his faith that connected him to the Lord, right? It was his faith that connected him to his miracle. Sometimes, man, the thing that we're missing is the element of faith when we approach God, right? Those that, that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Jesus, before he saw anything, before he even got to this place where Bartimaeus was, he saw his faith. Before he even heard him shouting and crying out, Jesus saw his faith. Can Jesus see your faith? What does your faith drive you to do and act and obey and follow God? Is your faith tangible? Is your faith measurable? I want to encourage you this morning that God is about building our faith. So Bartimaeus had this faith. But, yo, check this out, right? Where did this faith that Bartimaeus had in Jesus' ability to heal come from? Where did it come from? He had this faith. I can tell you this 100% without a shadow of I wasn't there, but I can tell you this for certain. Bartimaeus had never seen it, Jesus heal anybody of blindness before. Bartimaeus had never seen a miracle in his life before. I can tell you that for certain. So where did this faith come from, knowing that Bartimaeus had not visually seen Jesus heal one person? Our faith is not necessarily generated by what we see or encounter, but by what we hear. Romans 10, 17 says this, Now faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's where, that's where faith is founded. That's where faith comes from. That's where faith is fueled, is the ability to hear what God says and for that to develop inside of us as a seed and grow up into what we can now reach out for and grab. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by word. That's why being planted is so important because we're in settings like this where you can hear the word and be reminded of, man, this is what God can do. Now my faith is at a level where I can receive from God. That's why it's so important to get plugged into a home group or a small group or be in a setting where you can regularly hear the word because that's where our faith is generated. Bartimaeus, not being able to see anything, I could imagine that he heard much about what Jesus did. Now, it's a popular notion that for those that have lost their sight, their other senses become enhanced. For instance, they have a heightened sense, they can have a heightened sense of hearing or a greater spatial awareness. Uh, One of my favorite um, musicians, singers, songwriters, performers, recorders, just in my opinion, in my generation, uh, is this man named Steveland Hardaway Judkins. Stephen Hardaway Jenkins. He was born in on May 15th or May 13th, 1950. And he was born six weeks Im- uh, premature. So being born six weeks premature, he had to be put in an incubator so he can continue to grow and develop. However, in this incubator, whether it was human error or just something else that happened, too much oxygen was pumped into this incubator to where it affected the blood flow behind his eyes, causing his retinas to detach. And after six weeks of life, this this man, this little baby, I'm sorry, this little baby lost his vision, lost his ability to see for the rest of his life. Stephen Hardaway Judkins, I don't know what generation of parents named their middle, the the middle name Hardaway, but it it had to be something very unique about that generation. Some of you know who who this is. It's his stage name or performer name is Stevie Wonder. I was actually blessed to see this uh, man perform live. Man, one of the greatest musicians, singers, songwriters that I've ever encountered. Matter of fact, seeing him perform live, he was even better live. His voice, his musical ability was better live than even what has been recorded. Normally, it's the other way around. You hear this great recording, they're able to throw some stuff on it, and when you see them perform live, it's like, man, what happened to you? Like, man, what did you go through? (laughs) I need to pray for you. But he was even better. (laughs) He was even better than what's been recorded. And I remember watching this documentary of Stevie Wonder. They were going through his life, and they did this one scene where they were showing him, like they were recording him performing one of the songs that he had written and recorded. Over 50 years, we're still playing his music today. This generation, some of the, the, some of the theme songs we have set up and some of the songs we love that this man wrote, performed, and recorded still to this day, he was doing a song that he had written and recorded, and, and they show him on the piano. He's playing, and he's singing, you know, the part in the song. And then they go to the next scene. They cut away to where he's now on the drums, drumming, you know, the different drum parts of that song, and it's all being recorded. So then they cut away from there, and he has, like, the horn section. He's got the saxophone and the trumpet, and he's doing all the horn section of that song. Then they cut away, and he's doing every single vocal part in that song, one by one by one. And this, from start to finish, he performed that whole song by himself, every single part. His hearing ability is beyond most people today, probably because he has a lack of vision or a lack of sight. And I could imagine Bartimaeus in the place where he was hearing about this man, Jesus. I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 4 
And uh, Ross so eloquently um, gave this verse, but I want to give it again because I believe God wants us to see it. And uh, Luke chapter 4, uh, as Jesus began his ministry, he goes to the synagogue in Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue right at the beginning of his ministry, right at the inception of what he's supposed to do. He stands up in front of the congregation, and he has the scroll of Isaiah. He opens the scroll of Isaiah, and this is what Jesus began to read as a prophetic picture of what Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. Jesus himself, he said this in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I wasn't there, but I can just imagine, you know, Bartimaeus in the mix of things, not being too far away from Nazareth and where everything went down when Jesus started his ministry. Somebody coming over and saying, hey, Bartimaeus, man, hey, check this out. You hear about that new guy, the new, the, you know, you're the new guy. His name is Jesus. Did you hear what he said last week? He stood up in front of everybody. Did you hear? He opened the scroll of Isaiah. Did you hear what he said? No, 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 man. I didn't hear what he said. What did he say? And I can imagine Bartimaeus' ears being attuned to the word that Isaiah spoke, proclaiming that Jesus had the ability to open the eyes of the blind and faith just building inside of him. Whew. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he started out with that. And I could imagine all along the way, Bartimaeus, hearing of these reports of Jesus, you know, raising somebody from the dead and healing a lame man and healing other people that was born blind. And I can imagine Bartimaeus' faith is at a, such a point right now where he's like, man, if I can just get in front of Jesus, if I can just have an opportunity to meet with Jesus, I know that he can heal me too. Where did his faith come from? Not being able to see. I bet you he heard. And that hearing built his faith to such a point to where he received. As a matter of fact, we can even get a better picture of what Bartimaeus heard about Jesus as he addresses him with the title Son of David. Son of David, Jesus, Son of David. Why didn't he just say, Jesus, have mercy on me? What in the world? Why he includes Son of David? Verse 47, that's the first time in the book of Mark that that title is attributed to Jesus in the whole past, in the whole chapter of Mark. The very first time people didn't approach God and say, Jesus, son of David. But Bartimaeus did. You know, to the Jews, that title that he attributed to Jesus, it meant that he was the promised Messiah. Jesus, you're not just a person. You're not just a miracle worker. I believe that you are the one that was prophesied from long ago, the one from the lineage of David, the one that come to save the world. Some may, some may say that Bartimaeus was blind, but I believe that he could see more than a lot of people could at that time. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. A couple of things, and I'll wrap it up as we're almost about time. Come on. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. As we look at the crowd's response, it was twofold. First, they rebuked him. I love, I love to read passages like this because it's so funny to me. Like, sometimes you just got to stop and read the word, like, like picture it in your mind. Like, the crowd, the first thing that they did when they heard that Bartimaeus was yelling out, they rebuked him. Pipe down, Bartimaeus. Silencio. Callate la boca. You're being too loud. You know Jesus is too important for, for you? You little old beggar. No, no, no. You're not important. Sit over there. Continue to beg. You don't need to bother. Jesus has bigger and better things to, uh, uh, to address at the moment. He's headed to Jerusalem. We got the Passover. You just be quiet, little Bartimaeus. Anybody ever felt like that? 
like belittled or put down or, hey, you're not as important as you think you are, so you just need to sit there. Crowd silenced them, but check this out. When Jesus called for him, he stopped, and he called for Bartimaeus to be brought. Guess what the crowd did? Oh, Bartimaeus, hold on, wait a second, hold on, my bad. <laughs> Jesus is calling for you. <laughs> you see, what had happened was is that we thought you were somebody else. <laughs> And uh, we didn't know that, you know, you really had an appointment with Jesus. So come on, Bartimaeus. Jesus wanted to see you. You must be important. Come on. That just makes me laugh, right? Don't allow the crowds to shush you because they can't see the true value of what God has on you. And when we're a part of the crowd, sometimes when we don't have heaven's perspective and Jesus' perspective, we can tend to see other people skewed and lowly when God has put value on every single person. That's why we're able to go do Love My City, because we see that those that have been left out or uh, kicked out of community or maybe messed their lives up to a certain point, that, it's, that it's, they're living a hard life now, but God still has value on those people. They are still important to the kingdom, just as important as you and me. We're not more important, right? doesn't matter how much money we got or how much affluence, influence, notoriety, fame, position, power, status. None of that matters to God. He loves us all with an undying, passionate, fervent, undying love. They tried to shush him. Then Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, his, his, his place, or this item that provided comfort. Right? He says, I'm not going to let anything stop me from encountering Jesus. I'm going to throw aside every hindrance, every obstacle that's in the way. I don't care if this is the only position I have. I'm going I'm to throw aside everything to get to Jesus. And then we see Jesus ask him a question, right? Jesus asked him a question. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus, I can imagine in his mind, Jesus, can't you see that I cannot? <laughs> I know you got eyes. I know you can see. Isn't it obvious? Sometimes Jesus wants, when he asks us a question, it's not for him to gain knowledge because he already knows. Sometimes he asks us a question for us to gain knowledge. Man, what do I really need from Jesus? What's really going on in my heart? Why do I, I keep doing this thing over and over. Why am I why am I in this place? I keep getting frustrated at a certain event or a certain person. I keep, when I get to this road, I keep feeling a place of fear, and I never want to do it. Why? And Jesus is asking you, why? What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus said that I might receive my sight. If I can have the worship team come up, I'm going to wrap this up. Bartimaeus, he articulated his need to God. He didn't, he didn't assume that Jesus knew what he needed. But he was humble enough. He was humble enough to throw aside his garment and announce his need to the world. Even though it was obvious, he says, you know what, Jesus, that I may receive my sight. I don't care that all these people are here looking at me. I don't care that they may be judging me. But there's something I need, to, I need you for, Jesus. There's something I need to have. And I'm not too embarrassed to say it. I'm not too embarrassed to confess it because there's a breakthrough that I need in my life. Sometimes we can have a, a, a low perception of ourselves and we can be diminished in our view to Jesus because we don't, we don't feel that important. Jesus, why would you want to heal me? Jesus, you have bigger fish to fry. Jesus, I don't want to bother you because, you know, there's hungry people in Africa. There's wars going on all around the world. My issue is so small compared to all that. God says, no, that's, that's the wrong way to look at it. He says, don't you know that I have ability to address this, 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 and this, and all the things that you feel are more important than you, but they're really not? I could do all this at the same time. 
I can handle your problem and your need and their problem and their need. I'm not limited. My hands are not tied. I don't have handcuffs on me. I can do any and everything. Therefore, faith within us calls us to cry out to God. Bartimaeus didn't allow the pressures of others to stop him, right? I kind of look at this passage as, as parallel to David. When, when David was dancing as he brought the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, and he was dancing before the Lord, right? He was getting his groove on, right? He was in his drawers getting his groove on, and he was like, he was dancing. And then his wife, Michael, said, man, what are you doing? You're the king. You should be out here dancing like that. You know what David said? He says, I'll be even more undignified than this. When I hear the story and, and how Bartimaeus was undignified and he was willing to do anything, I kind of see the picture of David, man. Man, let me throw off the constraints of what other people have put upon me. I don't want to carry this stuff anymore. It's too heavy anyway. I'm going to be even more undignified than this. He didn't let the crowd stop him. He showed his faith by his actions. His desperation caused him to be persistent in his pursuit of the healer. And lastly, and I think this is the most important point of the passage, he became a follower of Jesus Christ. Immediately when he got healed, he didn't just go and say, thank you, Jesus, I'm good. I can see now. Let me go live my life. Let me do me. No, you know what he did? He got right in line and started to follow Jesus, which is a signification that his heart was truly changed. Not only that his eyes were open, but that his heart was healed. Not only that his eyes were healed, but his spirit and his soul were healed, which is the greater healing. Our bodies are going to fade away one day. Part of my business is life insurance. I encourage you, if you ain't got life insurance, it's good to have life insurance. If you need a broker or an agent, you can come talk to me. I'll give you some good life insurance. It's all about leaving a legacy. Life insurance is like any other insurance is that it has 100% claims payout. You can have car insurance, home insurance, any other insurance and never file a claim, never have to access what you've been paying for. But I guarantee you, you have a life insurance policy, you're going to have 100% claims payout. Why? Because we are all going to walk down that road. Our lives, our, our bodies are going to fail. So thank God for physical healing, and we're going to pray for that in a moment. But at the end of the day, what really matters most is what's on the inside. What good is it if we can see with our eyes, but we're blind spiritually, and we can't hear from God, and we keep running and bumping into the same sin over and over and over again, and we keep cussing so-and-so out, and we keep stealing, and we keep doing these things that we know are a detriment to our lives, and we don't know how to break out. What good is a physical healing if the inside is, is rotten and broken and hurting and in turmoil? Because two blind spots, there's more scripture verses, but I'm not going to read them. Man, thank you, God. <laughs> Two blind spots that I believe were highlighted in this passage and that are significant because we see the name of Bartimaeus. One was a, a natural physical blind spot, but the other was a spiritual blind spot. That was a greater blind spot. The crowd that was trying to shush Bartimaeus, they were blind. Earlier in that passage, if you read the context of of Mark 10, that little ones were trying to come up to Jesus, just, just our, our parents or adults were bringing little ones to Jesus so they can uh, get Jesus to minister to them, and the disciples were, moved, were pushing them away, same concept, no, 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 we don't want the little kids to come see Jesus, he's too important, and Jesus rebuked his disciples and said, no, 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 this is what the kingdom of heaven is all about, unless you become like a little child, you will by no means enter it, they were blind, yet they were following Jesus, right? 
all throughout this, this passage in this chapter, we can see different scenarios. If you read a little bit further, James and John, two brothers, they call Jesus aside. And they say, Jesus, hey, I got something for you. Check this out. What's going to happen? What's really going to happen is when you come into your kingdom, me and my brother are going to sit at your right and left hand in places of authority. We're just going to let you know that ahead of time, just in case you didn't know. And Jesus is like, no, bro, that, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. It's not about you jockeying for a place of leadership and authority because that's not the kingdom of heaven. They were blind. Could it be that some of us in here have blind spots, even some that we're not aware of, that God wants to minister and heal? I know I do. I know that until I see Jesus, he's constantly revealing blind spots in me in his desire to bring me closer to him, for me to know him more. Not so I can grow in any other area, but to know him more. So if we can do this, if we can all stand, I just want to pray for us this morning. And we want to create a space. If you need prayer this morning, I encourage you to come up. You know, don't let your schedule, don't let time, don't let the eyes of others or the opinions of others or anything else stop you from receiving from God. We're going to have a prayer team and some of us will, will meet with you and connect with you in prayer this morning. Thank you for listening to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about The Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, Thank you for tuning in.